Well, today we're going to continue in our summer series entitled Summer Solstice. I invite you to grab your Bibles with me. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. This is way at the back of your Bible here. We're going to turn here today. And we have been this summer looking at this idea that our soul needs healing and that we have to trust God for the healing of our soul, our inner person. And so we've spent some time understanding this inner person, this soul. We're going to do this again today, that we need healing from him, healing from him. So let me show you our key passage in Psalm 23. You see some of this on your notes. And I'm going to ask, as we have in the past few weeks, that you would, with passion and enthusiasm, please please read this with me. Let's begin. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even as we were talking here of how we have shepherds in the church, David writes this, King David of Israel writes and says that the Lord, God himself, is my shepherd. And he's the one that brings healing. He's the one that restores my soul. And he he is the one that we're looking to, to say, I need this soul healing. We've talked about how we have pressures in life. And this brings damage to our souls. There's so many pressures in life. You have those. I have those. And yet God wants to bring rest. You and I struggle with fear. That's another way that our soul can be damaged. And yet the Lord says, I want you to know that I am with you. And I want to bring rest and calm and peace to you. Last week, we looked at the idea that some of our relationships cause cause damage in our souls. They hurt us because we hurt each other. We're good at this. We can step on each other's toes and hurt each other's feelings. And we looked at how we are called to forgive one another after we have been hurt. Well, today I want us to look at this idea that my soul is in a constant war. We're going to see this in this passage today, that my soul is in a constant war. As I think of some of you, I know that some of you have fought wars. You have served our country well. You have been involved in wars, and you understand war in a different way than many of us do. But I want us all to understand today that there is a constant war going on in your soul, your inner person. The Lord loves you and cares for you, and yet there's an enemy that's trying to destroy everything good in you. As I was thinking about wars and battles in my life, I thought, you know, I haven't served our country in that way and gone to any wars and served in that way. And and for the most part, I'm rather... um, I haven't served in any big battles. I haven't been in any fights. But one came to mind as I was reflecting on this. I was a senior in college. We had just had a meeting one Sunday night. And and me and one of my buddies, who later became the best man in my wedding, we uh, walked into the student lounge and we see a bunch of freshmen, sophomores watching Rambo. You know, just these guys, oh, this is a manly movie. They're watching Rambo fight. And my buddy says to these freshmen in the lounge, they say, if you want a real fight, stop watching Rambo and take on me and Miller in a fight. And I'm looking like, what? Where'd this come from? But this guy, Jason, he, he would usually do something crazy like this. And he says, bring it on, fellas. They turned off the TV and they chased us right out of the dorms. 
We went running out, and I thought, okay, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover, all right? <laughs> this isn't for me. So I hid in a bush. I figured it's dark. They're not going to find me. I hide in a bush. They all attacked Jason. He did a good fight, 10 on 1. But eventually they took him down and started beating him up. I'm hiding in the bush. And then before long, one of the guys says, where's Miller? I'm thinking, I didn't sign up for this. I'm, I'm hiding in the bush. And I'm hiding in this bush. And they're looking for me. They want me next. And a guy comes up. And he peers into this bush, and we make eye contact. And I whispered, 10 bucks if you walk away. <laughs> now, that was a lot of money 20 years ago or whatever it was, 25 years ago. And I thought, maybe that will do it for him. He's a poor college kid, right? Just 10 bucks and walk away. And he walked away to go get his buddies. <laughs> Miller's in the bush and they came and they drug me out of the bush and they start beating me up. I blacked out or something. I don't remember anything else after that. And I thought, oh man, battles, wars. I didn't even sign up for that one. Maybe you're here this morning. You're like, I didn't sign up for a battle in my heart, but you are in this battle for your soul, for your heart. And it's not fun to be on the wrong side of a battle. It's not fun to be on the wrong side of a war. And that's why Peter writes what we're about to read here. 1 Peter chapter 2, page 1014, if you're using this Bible sitting in front of you. We're going to see in this passage that there is a, our soul is at war. And again, you say, I didn't sign up for this. I just want a nice, cozy life. I'm telling you, that's not what you are getting. There's a war going on for your heart, your mind, your inner person. It was happening yesterday. It's happening right now. It's going to happen all the days of your life. There's a war going on. Let me read some of what Peter writes here. And in fact, I'm going to ask that you just read this a couple times this week. It's just rich. It's powerful. First Peter chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 1 to give us some context here. He starts this chapter by saying, so put away all malice, this is like hatred, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, all your hurtful words. Like newborn infants long for, or some of your Bibles would crave, pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Verse 4, as you come to him, and the audience understood some Jewish context that he's going to speak into here. I'll explain some of it. <clears throat> as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion, or Jerusalem, a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He was reciting Psalm 118. 
And he says, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And again, he's pulling out Isaiah chapter 8. He says, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, as he's speaking to Christ followers. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Some of your Bibles would say strangers and aliens. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles or the nations honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let's stop there. Let's look here in verse 11 again, if you would. And I'm going to have you look back at this passage a few times this morning. In verse 11, there's this battle, there's this war, he says, that's going on in your soul. You may not have signed up for it, you think, but you're in it. And this is why in verse 11, he says, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Now here's a command, and we'll get to that command. But before the command was given, Peter shared some amazing truths that we just read. Before a command of abstaining from these worldly passions, note this, that I must know my God-given identity. Write this down if you're taking notes today. I must know my God-given identity. Verse 11, he gives these commands, but before that he says, I want you to know who you are. Those of you who claim Christ as your Savior. Those of you who say, you know what, I've had a sin problem. I needed Jesus to pay for that sin problem. I need him to have a right relationship with God. First, I must know my identity. And that's what we find in this chapter. Go up to verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, speaking of Jesus, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. He says, here's one of the things I want you to know about your identity. You are built on the living stone. You are built on Jesus. When God was building his house, and not a building like we're in, but when God was building his people, he put his son first as the cornerstone. Get him in the right spot. Get him as the main stone. And from him, I am building up my church. Him, I am building up a people. Built on the living stone, the cornerstone of Jesus. And this is part of our identity as a believer in Jesus Christ. This is important to know, okay, this is part of my identity. I am being built up on Jesus Christ. Go down to verse 9, if you would. I'm going to share some of this identity that he mentions. Verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So 
See, Peter is saying this. Here's what God did. God said, I'm going to take this group of people, this small nation, I'm going to rescue them, and then through them, I am going to tell the world uh, about who I am. They are going to live in such a way as that they are going to proclaim who I am. I'm going to take ordinary, broken people who fail me, and I'm going to change them to tell the world who I am. This is us as well. It's not just for this nation, but this is for us. You are a chosen race. That you would show your coworkers, that you would show your neighbors, that you would show your family who God is and what he is like. This is why we spend time on Sunday mornings and hopefully throughout the days understanding more of who God is so that you can reflect that and proclaim that to others. This is who God is. He's using ordinary people like you and me. And he says this, that we are chosen by God. This is part of our identity, chosen by God. Speaks to our value. He says, I want you. Yeah, ordinary you. Yeah, broken you. I want you. I'm choosing you with this purpose of sharing with those around you who I am. This is part of our identity as a believer in Jesus Christ. And it's imperative that you know your identity. Verse 9, look at this again. But you are a chosen race. He goes on to say a royal priesthood. Priests. Here's the idea of priests. Priests were chosen by God to do a special work. Pop quiz, if I asked you how many priests are there in Willamette Community Church, you might go, hmm, I saw a few guys on the stage this morning, or do I look at the back of the worship program and find people whose names are on that? Who are the priests? The priests are those chosen by God to serve him. Peter's writing here and says, this is part of your identity, believer in Jesus Christ, that you are a priest of God. Your job is that you were called into service to God. You. You're like, well, I I never went to Bible school. It doesn't matter. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been called into service to God. You say, I don't know a whole lot. It doesn't matter. You've been called into service to God. You're one of his priests to serve God. This is part of the identity of a believer in Jesus Christ. And it's imperative that we know this identity. Verse 9, he mentions another phrase. Let's keep going. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, See, God was making this people group to be holy. We sing this word a few times this morning. The idea is to be set apart, to set apart. God says, I'm going to take these people and I'm going to set them apart. They will be different. I've got them for a special purpose. And when Peter says this, he says, I want you to know that you are set apart by God, those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You didn't just join a club You just didn't all of a sudden start going to church every week, but you've been set apart by God with a special purpose. One of those great purposes you see in this passage, verse 9, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You've been set apart to proclaim that. This is what God does. You say, oh, I I was thinking I just believed in Jesus and got to go to heaven. Yeah, that's part of it. But you have been set apart to proclaim the excellencies of his grace in your life. That you were in darkness, 
every single one of us. And he called us into his light. Go to verse 10, if you would. Once you were not a people, but now this is your new identity. You are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now this is your new identity. You have received mercy. Write this down, if you would. Because if we're not careful, we could miss something really cool in here. Write down this, Hosea chapter 1. Hosea is a small book in the Old Testament. It's the name of a prophet. He was given a special assignment by God. And the language that Peter is using, he says, okay, you Jewish people, you would know this story from Hosea. Sometimes we forget this. But you read this chapter this week and see what language in Hosea chapter 1 ties in with verse 10 here. And then out of that, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Some of your Bible said strangers and aliens. The recipients of this first letter, they had been dispersed. There had been religious persecution. They're not in their home anymore. They were like, you know what? We really like this area, but we're not here. Now we're all over the place. And he says, you get what I'm talking about. You're strangers and aliens in this world. This world's not your home, is it? And they're like, nope. We're not even in our physical home, but we're certainly not in our spiritual home. Look at that, and it says strangers and aliens, people just passing through. Do you believe in aliens? Yeah, I believe in aliens. We're all aliens here. Strangers? Yeah, I believe we're strangers. Some of you are really strange, right? But this world is a temporary residence for us. We are actually, we've actually been given citizenship in heaven. This is part of your identity. Someone says, where are you from? What's your citizenship? Uh, We might say United States of America, or I live in Albany or wherever. But listen, in Jesus Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. That's what my spiritual passport says. I'm just passing through. You and I, we're just passing through. And this is part of our identity as a believer in Jesus Christ. And it's imperative that we know this identity. All these aspects that Peter just listed are part of our identity because the And because of that identity, then he gives this command, verse 11. Let's look at this command again. And he says, abstain from passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Not only must you know your God-given identity, but write this down, that you must know your God-given command. As Peter writes this, he says, I'm trying to tell you who you are in Christ, but let me tell you your command, your responsibility to abstain from passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Let's just break up some of those words real quickly. Abstain. Basically, okay, I'm not going there. Abstinence, I'm just not doing that. He says abstain from doesn't say abstain from passions, all right? I, one of my passions, I, I, it's not that I've just had a ton of coffee this morning, but I'm passionate about us understanding our identity in Jesus Christ. It's passionate for me to help us understand the command that God has given to us. The idea is not to abstain from passions and just walk through life. Uh, maybe you're passion is getting to know your neighbors so that you can bless them. Don't abstain from that passion. Live that one out. 
All right? I got to play golf this week. That's a passion. Enjoy that passion. Don't make it a God, but enjoy your passions. You like the mountains? Go visit them. You like the beach? Go visit it. Enjoy those passions. God has given us a passionate heart. But look at this again. Abstain from passions of the flesh. The idea is sinful passions that come up. Abstain from those. I don't know where your mind's going right now when you start hearing sinful passions or passions of the flesh. Some of you might go, okay, I know that the person sitting next to me has some passions of the flesh. They struggle. And so we might think of some and say, okay, alcohol, that could be a passion of the flesh, abusing that. Drugs, that could be a passion of the flesh. Pornography, that could be a passion of the flesh. I get abstaining from those. But some of you are like, hmm, I don't know that I really have any passions of the flesh. I'm pretty good. Now let me just share a few of these. These would be passions of the flesh. Selfishness. Ouch. Okay, got me. <laughs> Lust. That's coveting. Passion of the flesh. Arrogance. Walking around thinking that the only people who have problems with passions of the flesh are the people on the other side of the room. No, that's arrogance. That's a passion of the flesh. Gossip. Talking about people. We all have these, and Peter says, based on your identity as a follower in Christ, fight against. Don't go there, these passions of the flesh, because they wage war against your inner person. There have been times you're like, man, I'm miserable. I can't figure it out, but I'm grumpy, cranky. I'm just on edge. I'm angry. Well, there's been a war going on in your soul, and you've been losing ground because you didn't abstain from these passions of the flesh. You've just been living them. Go back to verse 1. He even says a few more of these passions of the flesh. He says, this is why we say put away malice, hatred. Okay, there are some people that you really don't like. I get that. Put that away. Put it away. It's not good for your soul. Put away malice, deceit, trickery hypocrisy, being two-faced. Don't be transparent with people. Just put on your best Sunday face. I mean, we used to use this phrase, put on your Sunday best, right? I think we also meant put on your best Sunday mask, all right? Don't let people see you're hurting. Don't let people see that you've struggled. Fake it. Not in a sinful passion, put away hypocrisy, envy, Slander, hurtful words. These things, they wage war against your soul, your inner person. I want you to write this down just to be reminded. There is a battle going on for my soul. There's a battle. When my buddy said, let's take on these guys, I'm like, I didn't sign up for it, but I was in a battle. You're in a battle for your soul. Every single one of us is. But here's what you need to know. God has claimed you as your own, his own. This is what he's done in Jesus Christ. He says, I've claimed you as my own. Yeah, there's a battle for your soul, but I want you to know that I've claimed you as my own. Vitally important that you know that. 
The enemy, he wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. And God says, oh, wait a second. You're my possession. I got you. Keep trusting me. And so the command here from God is to abstain from these desires. Maybe for you that's setting healthy boundaries. Setting healthy boundaries. Some of you at times have said, you know, I feel far from God. I'm just not sure what happened. Maybe it was that you just didn't set healthy boundaries. And before long, there was this war going on in your soul. You've lost some ground. You lost some fights. And you're like, I just feel like I'm far from God. I'm telling you, God didn't move. You lost some ground in the fight. I was thinking about my own life. I thought, if I want to abstain from fattening foods, if I want to get less fat, well, then i got to stop stocking my freezer with Haagen-Dazs, all right? i got to set some healthy boundaries. Maybe eat a vegetable or two. It's so hard for me to do. I mean, just meat and pasta, all right, but... Okay, a vegetable. I've got to set some boundaries if you want to win some of these battles. If you want to win and abstain from some of these sinful desires, stop binging on the Internet. Stop binging on Netflix. It's like, well, I'm just bored, and I'm going to go here and go here. And Wow, how did I end up here? Stop binging on that. Understand that there's a war waging for your soul. Maybe it means getting help for your alcohol or your drug addiction. Get some help for whatever your addiction is. Spend time in God's Word. Spend time talking to God. Spend time connecting to Him. Spend time as you're doing with His people. Don't just be quick to leave today. Spend time with His people. Verse 11. Look at it one more time with me, if you would. Abstain from passions of the flesh which war against your soul. The idea is you have been given a God-given identity. Now there's a command with that. There's a purpose with that as well. Go to verse 12. Part of the purpose in this, keep your conduct, your lives among the Gentiles or the nations, the others, honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and that they might glorify God. On the day of visitation. Now, verse 11 abstain from these passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Why? Because there's an audience that God is reaching. Part of the reason for this command is that God says, I've got an audience I'm trying to reach. I'm trying to reach this audience through you. Just take a moment and just look around this room. Just think of all the audiences that God wants to reach this week through each of us. You abstain from these sinful desires which war against your soul as you know your identity because God wants to use you this week. He wants to use you today that people would go, huh, How's a knucklehead like you surviving and and trusting God? How does a knucklehead like you recover from this? God is amazing. God wants to reach many of us, or many, through us. 
And so the command, it comes with a reason and a purpose from God. And I was thinking, how many times do we lose our influence? How many times do we lose our influence when we cripple ourselves by giving in to our passions of the flesh? How many times do we just, I just feel like I'm out of the game, feel like I need to sit on the bench for a while? All because we've crippled ourselves. God wants to reach a great audience through you and you and you and you and you, all of us. And how many times does that audience not get reached because we cripple ourselves, not paying attention to what's going on? I know that's happened in my own life. And I know that it happens with you. So let me finish with this. This command, it does come with energy and it comes from power from God. This is not just a buckle down and do it yourself command. This isn't just try harder this week. Come on, church. Let's try harder. It's not that. I think this is why religion fails so many times. This is why you and I have tried this. You're like, I'm going to do better this week. This week, I'm going to write a list, and I'm going to wake up early, and I'm going to do this, and I can do it, and I can do it. And this is why we fail so many times. I would call that religion. You're just trying hard on your own. This command does not come by saying you do it on your own, because frankly, you can't. You can't. Oh, you might be able to hide into a bush for a little while, but eventually you're going to be in trouble. I want you to write this one down, is that I must know my God-given power. You see, we understand our identity. Then we are given a command, but you have to know that there is God-given power for this battle. This is not just you getting it right this week and saying, I can do it. I can. Listen, let's just acknowledge we can't do this on our own. The crafty enemy is going to take each of us out when we try to do this on our own. When we have soul problems, healing does not come from you and I just trying harder. As you read this, he says there's actually power that comes from God. The new identity It came from God. The power, guess where that one comes from? It comes from God. comes from God himself. Go over, if you would, to chapter 1. Let's just go over there real quickly. Let me just read a few verses to you in chapter 1. Verse 3, Peter writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ! Exclamation point. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. That's him producing this life in us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's a hint of that power. He says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. That's from God. Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. See, there's an identity and a command but there is power that comes from God himself. Don't try to handle this on your own. Okay, I'm struggling with alcohol, drugs, pornography, selfishness, slander, whatever it is. Don't handle that on your own. That's not the answer. If you need to understand this power, we simply look to the cross again. 
We look to the cross where Jesus was crucified. Crucified people get buried. That's what you do with the dead body. Jesus didn't stay there. God raises him from the dead. And he says, for those of you who receive his life, I'm raising you. I'm empowering you. I'm giving you my spirit to be victorious. That's our power. The risen Lord, he's the source of my victory. The risen Lord, he's the source of my victory. You want victory to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul? It comes from Jesus. It comes from asking him, calling out to him, saying, Jesus, I need you to help me. I can't stay away from whatever it is. And he goes, oh, yeah, with my power you can. And as you and I trust him, as you and I reach out to him, he will strengthen you for the fight. He will strengthen you to the fight. And you'll find, you know what? I'm victorious more often because I'm finding my power not in me, but in Jesus, the risen Lord. I'm going to ask that you do this with me, that you just bow your head for a moment and reflect. As you hear this command, abstain, from sinful passions which war against your soul. Maybe we even take a moment this morning and confess that we give in to this far too often or that we don't seek Jesus for strength and power. And God says, let me tell you again who you are. I've chosen you. I've sent my son for you. I've set you apart. I'm calling you into great ministry, great service. You're a citizen, not of this place, but of heaven. Know your identity. Connect with me. Abstain from those sinful passions which war against your soul because I want to use you in a mighty way to trust me for healing, trust me for victory, trust me for power. Heavenly Father, as I look into this passage again, I I just will be the first to acknowledge that much of my life, I let the battle take place. I, I didn't even, I'm not aware of the battle many times. And there is a battle, and you're the victorious one. And you want to use ordinary, broken people like me to proclaim that you are the victorious, healing God. So I thank you for what you are doing in me. I thank you for what you're doing in my brothers and sisters. Would you help us to read our Bibles more and understand our identity more so that we can understand what we are called to do and the power with which we live? Father, I pray for those that are here today and There's a battle going on for their soul and they don't know that the answer is Jesus. God, would you help them to see that?
that it's a power greater than themselves. It's a power greater than their own self-determination. It's a power that raised your son from the dead. Would you help us all, even this morning, to simply say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, would you heal me? Jesus, would you help me again to live my life based on you for what you've done for me? Help me to follow your commands. Help me to live in your power to reach out to you. And so I thank you for this time this morning. I thank you for your word that is powerful. Speak to us. Continue to speak to us this week. Prepare us for the battle that you, in one sense, have already won. So we love you. We commit our lives to you. We pray all this in Jesus' powerful.